Hey everyone, welcome back to my Blackadian universe. Um, we're going to talk about words. Words matter. So uh, yeah, let's talk about it. So I wanted to start by telling a story that I quite enjoy. Uh, <laughs> one of my friends, um, she's a white woman and um you know I've wow I've known her for about eight years now and when we first met each other um we're co-work work co-workers um I thought you know she I I you know just didn't think that we would have anything in common you know she just seemed very um very um <laughs> I'm trying to say other than white just someone who I don't think would I could have like a real connection with and friendship with um I felt like I'll be honest uh very poor assumption on me but I thought she doesn't know any black people all right um that's right I said it and I was proven wrong I can admit when I'm wrong so but I'll tell you the turning point um of when I thought, you know what, I could like this lady was we were just having this conversation at the office and um, this guy was saying, oh, you know, everybody, because we we're talking about lactose intolerance, if people are more um, different um, races are like, you know, more susceptible to certain types of food intolerances and, um, you know... <laughs> He said, this guy said, white gentleman said, you know, people should just eat where they came from. And I was like, what? You know, I, as the only black person in this grouping of coworkers, I was like, okay, let me just excuse myself from this conversation before I get fired from blowing up at this uh, white man. And <laughs> so my friend um, at the time, I didn't know her very well. She, without missing a beat, she said, oh, I don't know, that sounds kind of racist. And, you know, <laughs> the way that just the fact that she added that and, you know, didn't miss, miss a beat after he said it. Um, I was like, I like you. I like you. Let's hang out. And of course, you know, it immediately caused what I knew would happen, which was some white fragility and, you know, the reeling of, oh my God, I, oh, I just can't believe it. And, oh, I'm not racist or like, you know, that kind of offense. And, you know, as um, I just was like completely silent, I was like, mm -hmm, I'm not getting into this, need this job. Um, so... <laughs> I just sort of let that and she handled it beautifully and you know eight years later we're we're good friends so you know I knew that I was like if she can pull that out um up and work I was like I need to know her better so she's wonderful <laughs> the point is I just the this idea of 
white people being terrified of saying the wrong thing, you know, this whole thing about cancel culture, oh, it's too much, and, you know, we're going too far with the Dr. Zeus books, and, you know, every, you can't say anything, you can't have anything anymore, what happened to the good old days? And um, it's, I, <laughs> in summary, oh well, oh well. Um, too bad, too bad. You get you got canceled. Um, I think what people, well, I think people do realize, um, is that words are powerful. Powerful words have meaning. Um, it's a huge part of being a human being. Is our languages? They connect us. They um, let us express ourselves. It's 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 powerful they're powerful and pretending otherwise is just stupid um, it's insulting and racialized people are very well aware of the power that words have I mean the derogatory terms that are used for racialized people still hold power um, because white people do, um, the inventors of these terms to dehumanize us, um, is how they've used their words. And, um, you know, we're calling it out now. We're not going to accept these things as innocent, as misunderstandings, um, we're calling them out and taking away the intention behind how you were using them. What's so clever about words is that, you know, we sort of order um, violence and physical violence is obviously at that top of that list. But you know, there is verbal abuse, that, that is a thing. And so when you use these, this language, and you abuse us with your words, we're going to call that out. If it's in an old book, um, you know, people weren't listening then. Um, but they're listening now, and we're going to use our voices, our voices are stronger, getting more heard. And <laughs> too bad that it makes you uncomfortable, too bad that it makes you question things that you thought you knew. And if you knew damn well that uh, you shouldn't be depicting, you know, people from Africa um, as monkeys, then, and you just didn't care enough because you liked the story, too effing bad. Uh, you cancelled. <laughs> So I, so I, I just, I feel like, um, I love that, um, people are paying more attention to words because I find words powerful just as you could be, you know, moved by a beautiful poem or a beautiful song, the lyrics in the song, um, just the same as someone can be, you know, hurt and torn apart just as powerfully by, you know, something um, horrible that someone said about um, who they are as a person and uh, 
and the color and the color of their skin so it does absolutely absolutely matter and it's about time that we pay attention to it um, call out uh, racist words when we hear them and say them um, in the moment uh, especially if they're uh, kind of racist <laughs> so I also wanted to talk about with thinking about um, words mattering and the rise of anti-Asian racism um, with um, the uh, connection to uh, the coronavirus and there's recently the attack um, the horrendous attack of um, the um, Asian people um, losing their lives uh, the six Asian people losing their lives and um, but I've been paying attention to it um, here at home in Canada uh, because uh, right a year ago dear goodness Lord uh, at the start of the um, coronavirus I worked near um, like the the Chinatown in uh, my city and um, I would go every day to various shops to get lunch I know I know I, I should really make a lunch but I didn't don't judge <laughs> don't judge me but uh, yeah so I'd go like every day to get my lunch and um, you know I'd go to like a, a spot and um, it was always so busy like it was a tiny shop and I was also busy and you'd have to sort of like wait outside and uh, <laughs> I remember um, just before we got like locked down shut down like that week I was going in and I could just walk right in like I there was nobody in there but me and I didn't get the connection at all like and like I know the people that work there and they were like oh my gosh like they were like thank you so much and they were so like appreciative and I didn't get it I just was like okay whatever um but it wasn't until like maybe a couple weeks later um that I realized what was happening and it was that people were perhaps afraid or um you know just avoiding um this neighborhood because of you know their racist beliefs and I mean um, it's not a, a physical violent attack um, but uh, I thought holy crap <laughs> I was thinking that's um, you know that's a problem there's also been incidences here in Canada as well of people getting um, like spit on um, people yelling um, offensive remarks at um, Asian Canadian people and um, it is completely unacceptable these are the things when we say that word matter words matter when the previous president was calling um, the virus like I can't even I'm like choking on the words because I 
don't even want to say it, but, you know, just associating it even more so um, with Asian people. Um, these are the kinds of things we say when we say that words have power and meaning and, you know, um, it can lead to people losing their lives. Um, you know, I was even reading about <laughs> this idea that, um, you know, uh, that there should be an increased police president presence in, um, you know, Asian neighborhoods. And I'm thinking, what? Why? <laughs> Just why? Um, you know, the um, person who was who committed this crime was white. Why don't you police white neighborhoods? I think. Is that ever a question? Does that ever come up? Does everyone say, you know what, let's put extra police presence in white neighborhoods or just uh, just just a question you know I think the idea of putting the burden on racialized people is just second nature uh, to white people that they don't even think about um, looking inward <laughs> you know like uh, check yourself uh, check on your people uh, maybe there needs to be an increased presence in uh, white neighborhoods. But um, obviously, nobody wants that. So of course, it would have to fall on to racialized people in racialized neighborhoods. And um, that just that just disturbed me because it's, you know, very similar to things happening in the you know, black communities where, you know, it's like, oh, let's go to the source of uh, the criminal activity. Um, that guy was white, so white neighborhood. Um, I feel like with um, stereotypes in general, I'm just thinking of you know, um, just the idea of creating these sort of stereotypes and grouping people in there. I always think about why, why white people, some white people, uh, excuse me, should I should say, um, are so readily willing to believe the worst of racialized people or, you know, so readily willing to believe that, you know, a blanket statement applies to all racialized people, why we can't be individuals, you know, like them. No one's thinking, you know, when they see these crimes and are not thinking, oh, all white people are going to start, you know, um, attacking Asian people, but, you know, um, if, you know, one person of, you know, Asian descent or, you know, you know, uh, Caribbean descent or whatever the case may be, or African descent does something that it's true for all of those peoples. And I, I thought a lot about this and I always think it comes down to, you know, some white people 
are looking for ways to confirm their superiority when there really isn't any evidence for it, period. Um, you know, they're trying to find proof of the lie, the lie of white's uh, superiority and, you know, they're, they're, sh they're coming up short because it doesn't exist. And I feel like um, for some people, they know it's not true and they don't care. Um, they just want to hold on to their power. And for others, they, you know, maybe <laughs> they've been taught it, um, you know, and they've only recently started questioning it. So when they find examples that confirm it, you know, they, they latch onto it to show that they're right for believing what they believe. Um, and they were right to believe that. And so they don't have to change their beliefs. And I, I feel like that's sort of, you know, what it boils down to, which is a shame, but I, I really do think that again, just positive spin that this momentum of calling out racist behaviors and it doesn't even have to be so called big things but to stop it in their tracks I, I, I feel like it's so important and it's so powerful that um, you know like I've talked about like you know Sharon Osbourne and just these kinds of things that she had that reaction that it's so typical <laughs> of you know white people defending their racism and the fact that that is no longer acceptable behavior in our society is a beautiful thing it gives me joy it gives me joy that that's happening and collectively we as a society are saying words have power let's acknowledge that and change that and hold people accountable for it is it is the catalyst for real meaningful change so that's a good thing there's no way that it, it it's not a good thing so makes my heart happy that that's happening so thank you so much for listening to my words um, and giving them power um, I hope you join me next time. Thanks so much.